Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's episode 13 of the Daily Covid Update show and today we have quite a lot of issues to discuss. It's quite a variety show today. Uh, I have uh, Jacob Koshi, Deputy Science Editor and Suhasini Haider, National Editor, once again with me. So, firstly, uh, Jacob, most important issue, it's been uh, kind of dominating social media all day. Uh, and yeah. that is apparently that uh, the Health Ministry is not is giving only restricted briefings now and not allowing journalists to ask questions. Uh, at this stage of, um, you know, when, when we're at this initial stage of a pandemic breaking out, this seems highly unusual, highly weird. Just what happened in that presser? What's going on there? Very unusual. So uh, it started out since morning wherein uh, uh, an official from the health ministry, you know, sent a message informally out to uh, people on the beat, health reporters on the beat, saying that they needed their cooperation and support at this crucial time and that... Uh, you know, in the in the briefing today, it is it is it is webcast as it always has been, but very limited questions would be taken. Uh, and the initial message was that you know the only two news outlets would be allowed, but uh, there was the there was some protest raised by health reporters, and ultimately they sent out a message saying anybody can come in. And uh, when some journalists did go there, they were told that. They were free to listen in on on everything, but they wouldn't be able to ask questions except for two outlets, the DD News and ANI. And that's how we ended up with one of the shortest briefings ever, which lasted for just 15 minutes. So the important thing here is the briefings are critical because you have a 10-minute briefing by the health secretary, health minister official on the status. Now, remember, even the, the cases update that we get is anyway dated. We never get the day's update. It is always from nine o'clock the previous day and it is only after the briefing that these numbers are updated. So anyway, right. transparency always has been an issue, but this is whole different level because it's only from the questions and interaction that, that journalists pose to the officials that, you know, new information comes out, especially because today was a day when we've uh, seen nearly 300 odd cases, which is the highest. Okay, there's always it's been highest for many days, but 300 is again, uh, you know, a new kind of landmark. But otherwise, let me just give you an update. It is also, we've got yeah. 1723 confirmed cases. The health ministry says it's 1637, but those are the active infections. Uh, there are 45 deaths, 1520 are undergoing treatment, and uh, nearly 42,000 tests have been done so far. Okay, uh, Jacob, yeah, I, okay, right. We do need to talk about the Tablighi Jamaat situation. But just, I just want to get an idea. I mean, why is this Why is this happening? Is it because the exchanges were getting pretty testy or something like that uh, in these uh, press briefings? No idea, but uh, I mean, there's no immediate clarity on that. But there was a Supreme Court order yesterday. They basically said that, you know, there is misinformation and there is fake news circulating in the media. And one of the arguments, they, I mean, the Supreme Court in its order had said that uh, it was because of uh, fake news somewhere that, you know, there would be a lockdown for three months that lots of migrants actually came out on the, on the roads and were trying to make their way, uh, you know, 
uh, away from the cities. So all of this was in the background, and uh, and Supreme Court then said that you know there ha- there has to, all information has to be verified by government authorities, and you know there has to be a a kind of update once in twenty four hours. So from here, it's they somehow reasoned it as you know this. I mean they 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 inferred that you know okay let's have a clamp down on uh, on free flow of information. Now I don't know. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of stink raised on this, and probably things might change from tomorrow. But that's how matters stand as of today. Right. Uh, so Ashni, yeah, like I said, we need to talk about the Tablighi Jamaat situation. Um, we discussed this in some detail yesterday. What's been happening today? I've uh, I mean just I just as Early in the evening, we just heard that uh, 110 cases in Tamil Nadu today, uh, all that can be, uh, which can all be traced back to uh, this congregation. Uh, that's right, and just to bring you up to speed, it's not just 110 in Tamil Nadu; it's a total of about 163 cases nationwide right. that seem to be connected in some way to uh, this group and the convention that they held. Uh, between March 10th and 15th in Delhi's uh, Nizamuddin area at what was called the Tablighi Markaz the headquarters in fact the international headquarters of this group called the Tablighi Jamaat um uh, uh, on Wednesday early morning at 4 a.m the police said it had finally concluded its operations of moving everybody who was inside uh, the building out uh, and it, it was more than 2000 people that they were able to bring out Uh, over a course of three days, and uh, sanitization operations were being completed inside uh, the building. I can tell you um, that the entire road outside this building has been cordoned off. In fact, the main road outside is being guarded right now by paramilitary personnel. Uh, so uh, the the government is uh, now moving to the next stage, which is tracking down everybody who could have been part they believe uh, as many as 8000 people over the uh, that course of those few days would have interacted in this uh, in this convention inside this building and of course uh, they believe that uh, that that uh, uh, at least a thousand of those were from uh, uh, were foreigners uh, coming from countries like indonesia saudi arabia thailand and other countries so uh, government sources said that they had Uh, contacted the embassies of each of the countries from whose uh, from whom nationals had come to uh, india for this uh, they were also taking fairly strict action against anyone who had come in on a visa and violated the visa regulations for example coming in on a tourist visa and then attending this convention um so the government's really working hard now to try and track everybody who might have been a part of uh, this convention or may have been exposed in any way really pleading uh, that people should come out and declare themselves i think in tamil nadu we're seeing possibly a higher rate uh, uh, today because uh, as the tamil nadu officials themselves said a lot of people came out and declared themselves as somebody who had come from the tablighi jamaat convention in in delhi uh, so um, really this is uh, this is now become a point of focus for the government because it is by 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 far the largest cluster the largest hotspot if you like that they're looking at any indi- any any indication that um, anyone from the government is kind of directly blaming the sharp number of the rise in the number of cases which has been pretty sharp over the past few days directly on this event well um, the health secretary during that uh, that uh, briefing that Jacob was just talking about said quite clearly that there had been a spike in the last 
day. Uh, they, they've seen uh, more than 380 cases in the last day, of which a large number is, of course, from this particular cluster in, in Delhi's Nizamuddin. Um, and uh, it's obvious that, you know, uh, if you took these numbers out, you would probably have a number that is more or less in in uh, in track with the kind of trajectory we've seen over the last few days. But obviously, right. the uh, this is one of the big reasons this has become a point of focus because of the sheer numbers involved. If you think 8,000 people in all could have been exposed, of which they haven't been able to track all of them, uh, and they're already seeing 160 cases of people who have tested positive for COVID, this on its own becomes the great, the biggest super spreader. Okay, uh, so just quickly moving on, Swasni, uh, again sticking with you. There's uh, there was a story today about the uh, the, the this new uh, fund that's set up by the uh, Prime Minister PM Care Fund um, is now um, is able to get uh, funding from outside. Uh, what's the what's the unusual bit about this? Gent, you know, for the last uh, at least 20 years, especially since the tsunami of 2004, the government has been very clear that it doesn't want to accept aid from outside or donations from outside the country, simply because India has been in a position to actually take care of its own um, uh, requirements and uh, take care of calamities that they have been dealing with. Uh, however, government sources are saying that they see this pandemic as uh, honestly, as as and they've been quite honest about that, that they see it as an unprecedented situation, a situation where the government is going to need all the funds it can uh, get. It is going to need relief. It is going to need uh, help in terms of just uh, uh, products, uh, PPE, you know, protective gear, um, testing equipment, ventilators, and all the rest of that. Uh, so I, I think what is unusual, uh, really, Jent, is that for the first time we're hearing the government say the prime minister himself, when he spoke to the heads of mission uh, around the world, actually made a case that each of them should try and source contributions for this new fund that has been set up specially for the COVID crisis. Uh, remember, there is a PM National Relief Fund which yeah. normally kicks into action um, when when there is a calamity. In fact, I think it already has about 3,600 crores in it. Um, but this is a special fund that has been set up. I presume uh, it's been set up with a new set of uh, rules so that there is flexibility, so that they can disperse these funds fairly quickly. There are still questions being asked about just where the legalities are. Uh, but the but government source is saying to us that uh, the prime minister himself has made the appeal and he's already they're already seeing contributions come in. And uh, they clarified today because a lot of people did ask this question about whether the government had overcome its uh, hesitation of the past, if you like, about accepting funds from outside. And, and they said that they, uh, given uh, A, the, the magnitude of the crisis and B, the intent of so many people from abroad to uh, wanting to help the government in its fight against the coronavirus, that they were accepting contributions, uh, quote unquote, from individuals and organizations abroad. Uh, the question is still what happens if a, if a foreign government offers funds. Uh, we haven't yet got to that point. So uh, I presume the government is saying they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. Certainly we know in the Kerala case in 2018, uh, the government was not very keen to accept funds from outside. In fact, the MEA sent out uh, a message to heads of mission at that time saying, uh, please thank anyone who wants to contribute. 
uh, but India is able to deal with its own needs. So the difference really is here you have the Prime Minister himself putting out that appeal that they want foreign contributions uh, if possible for this fund as well. Okay, um, and some uh, strange things happening in the world of, well, the sub-world of international aid during COVID-19. Um, there was a, there was some news today about the fact that India had sent uh, relief materials to Serbia, and, and except that that's not even the biggest uh, story, which is the fact that Russia has sent um, a huge amount of aid to the U.S., um, so, Asni, you want to just uh, elaborate on that? It's just showing us how the world is changing really quickly when we when we see what's happening with this pandemic. Um, clearly, uh, there are a lot of world institutions that were expected to step up to the plate, which haven't. On the other hand, we're seeing unusual things like a conversation between Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin and U.S. President Trump, after which Russia has sent its biggest transport uh, flight with uh, aid for America. Now, this is something nobody would have expected would even be needed by the U.S. in the past. But given the magnitude of the crisis that the U.S. is grappling with, it certainly uh, shows uh, that, you know, uh, unusual times call for unusual uh, measures. And we're seeing that sort of um, spirit, if you like, of, of, uh, of sharing across Europe, how other countries in Europe have come together for Italy, uh, for Spain, for countries there who are uh, are dealing with the crisis and grappling with it. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, there is this unusual factor that where India, on the one hand, is really looking for relief material from outside. In fact, government sources said they were accepting uh, a relief package that had come from Chinese organizations. Um, they were, on the other hand, also giving. So we've seen India send out a flight to the Maldives with, uh, with uh, certain... Uh, medical, uh, 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 you know, medical uh, goods. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact nature of those goods. We know that Serbia also thanked India for a consignment that came in with things like sanitizers and gloves. Uh, remember, while um, many might ask, can India afford to send these uh, uh, these items out? The truth is, uh, they are not banned by the government thus far. The government has certainly brought in. Uh, a, a ruling banning the export of of uh, critical care equipment and and uh, several grades of medical equipment, but not so far for things like gloves and sanitizers, which India is now sharing with other people. So I think it's a question of who can do what for whom at at whatever time, and and different countries are learning new ways of cooperating with each other. And Jacob, uh, I think we'll end with you where we started. Um, sure. today's, today's press conference was, as you say, very brief, uh, marred by some kind of controversy, which I hope will be resolved by tomorrow. Um, what yeah, are the hopefully. questions now that we uh, need to still be asking of the health ministry, the ICMR? Well, the main questions is uh, testing. I mean, in, in, in specifically in testing, what, is, what have been the results of test, uh, you know, of their tests that they have conducted on people who have who are suffering from severe acute respiratory illnesses. They've also, in the last week, the ICMR has also increased the amount of what is called surveillance testing. That is, they actively look at uh, hotspot places where there has been a rise, in, uh, an increase in cases, and they test more widely. That is, people who are showing, uh, you know, symptoms of the disease. That's one thing we'd like to know. Secondly, what is the status in the in the hospitals? And so far, it doesn't look like uh, hospitals in India are, uh, are are reporting a rise in those seeking uh, 
critical care facilities or a shortage in ventilators yet but you know as you know, as we've been talking about even one such cluster in nizamuddin can just accelerate the number of uh, cases and could lead to a massive demand in uh, you know in any one district or any one state secondly questions regarding the the availability of medicine or the suitability of hydroxychloroquine and you know several other combinations of drugs have not really passed uh, gold standards of uh, clinical trials or testing so there there are there are already reports of shortages of uh, hydroxychloroquine in you know in several uh, medical outlets is the government reviewing this evidence what we all must uh, also remember is that uh, the last 7 days has seen a doubling i mean from the 25th to the 18th if you just go back there was a fourfold rise in cases whereas right from the lockdown from 25th to uh, let's say yesterday it is gone from 600 odd to 1600 now which is little over two and a half times so yes the rate of growth has slowed but it's still a doubling doubling in 7 days so to say now 7 days doubling is what we've also seen in iran for instance two weeks back to to really flatten the curve as they say it, we have to extend the doubling to beyond let's say 10 or 12 days you know only then it is it, it it is considered a slow enough rise now what is the what is the icmr's evidence uh, showing them i mean the effects of the lockdown they say can only in in cutting transmission can only be seen uh, in the next week or so because the assumption is that you know it takes at least 5 to 14 days for you know somebody who's been infected with the virus to actually show symptoms that is the average 5 to 14 but is the icmr are they seeing any particular uh declines in transmission so far as what we are seeing now it doesn't seem to be happening so in that sense there are lots of these uh, questions lots of studies lot of analysis being done and we really need authorities who can break the clutter for us and the way to do that is to answer more questions rather than just you know stonewall all right let's hope that uh, tomorrow is a better day for reporting um Indeed, yeah. thank you guys both for joining me today uh, i'll speak to you then all right thanks.